Good morning, all. The reading this morning comes from uh, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5, and we're going to read verses 21 to 24 and then 35 to 43. When Jesus had crossed over again in the boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him, and so he stayed by the seashore. One of the synagogue officials named Jairus came up and on seeing him, fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her so that she will get well and live. And he went off with him, and a large crowd was following him and pressing in on him. While he was still speaking, they came from the house of the synagogue official, saying, Your daughter has died. Why trouble the teacher any more? But Jesus, overhearing what was being spoken, said to the synagogue official, Do not be afraid any longer, only believe. And he allowed no one to accompany him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the synagogue official, and he saw a commotion of people loudly weeping and wailing. And entering in, he said to them, why make a commotion and weep? The child has not died, but is asleep. They began laughing at him, but putting them all out, he took along the child's father and mother and his own companions and entered the room where the child was. Taking the child by the hand, he said to her, Talitha Kumai, which translated means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl got up and began to walk for she was 12 years old. And immediately they were completely astounded. And he gave them strict orders that no one should know about this. And he said that something should be given her to eat. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Malcolm. Thank you, Malcolm. Thank you, uh, Chloe. Uh, we do have, we're working on the series, The Righteous Shall Live by Faith. And um, this week's is week's number, week number six. And uh, it says, faith must be kept sweet, switched on. Uh, this is a topic that I, I probably would have typically put later, but I know what happens with most of us. We start getting excited about faith. We start learning to believe and claim. And so we pray something and then we wonder what happens between the time we, we pray for it or ask for it and the time we see it. So before I started to get too much into what the prayer of faith is and different things, I, I wanted to slip this one in, which you, faith, you must keep the switch of faith turned on, which really describes about the, uh, the time uh, often between when we pray or when we ask or command something to come and when we actually see it. And I want to cover today uh, an example of what Jesus did I want to talk about some reasons why uh, there is often a gap there, and then um, and then talk about some of the things that we can we can do, or how how do we survive? How do we keep the switch of faith turned on? I got that expression from a minister, actually Kenneth E. Hagen, who we who I don't normally name him because otherwise I'll be often naming him four times a sermon, but. Um, but we, we trained under him and he was lecturing on faith and he talked about this time when uh, in the early 1950s where he was ministering at a, um, 
he taught on healing for a few weeks and he had someone come forward who was, uh, I forget whether they were deaf or they were blind, it was one or the other, and he, he laid hands on them and prayed for them and they were instantly, instantly healed. Instantly healed doesn't happen very often, have you ever noticed? And um, have you ever noticed? All right. And um, so uh, then another lady came forward and she had a, a young child, a few years old, and both uh, had a congenital abnormality in uh, the feet and both feet were turned right out. And so he, he laid hands on her and prayed for her and uh, there appeared to have to see nothing. Nothing appeared to happen. And so he said to her, I feel, I feel to tell you, and this is the first time he coined, coined the phrase, I feel to, feel to tell you that what happens now is that you must keep the switch of faith turned on. We'll talk more about that later and I'll give you some more detail on, on that later, all right? But we see in, uh, in uh, Mark chapter 5 a, a remarkable miracle. I, I always, I can't kind of hesitate to talk a lot about miracles and you know when you're preaching you like to use examples that are really huge because everyone goes wow but in reality our faith walk is just everyday life like believing for our work and believing for our children and remember the other week Saroa do I need to get you up here again brother you know some promises are way up the top and I, I said to Saroa climb up and reach that promise but you're not allowed to touch the first five runs and I noticed that uh, well, that world champion high, high jumper is speaking at Fire Church today. I thought she could probably do it, but I don't know that you'd manage this row. I'm sorry. But, but faith, the Bible says, is faith upon faith. It builds up. So we start at a certain position. But this situation that Jesus was in is one of those crisis situations. And Jairus, the synagogue official, found Jesus. And he said, my, my daughter is on, on the deathbed. Come and heal her. And, and often what happens, you know, when we claim a promise or we pray a prayer or we find something that we want to stand on and, and the fulfillment of it or what we call the manifestation of it, which just means when we actually see it, can be minutes, days, hours, weeks, sometimes years from it. Is that true? All right. So we're not living in la-la land here. This is everyday life experience. So what is happening in that time? Why is that happening? And what do we do in that time to keep the switch of faith turned on? And we get a little uh, insight into Jesus because it was very, very condensed. We don't know how long that walk was. It might have been an hour, it might have only been minutes. But in that time, in Mark chapter 5, Mark 5 verse 36, he says this, when they get the bad report, now who knows, sometimes you can be believing for something and the next thing that happens is even you're in a worse situation than what it, what it was, all right? Not, you're not believing for that, but that's just the way things happen. You know, the circumstances, you, you weren't at the bottom of the hill yet. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> there were still more bad things coming and more bad news around the corner. And, uh, and uh, I like what uh, Norman Vincent Peale said. He says, you know, the bottom is a wonderful place to be because you can only go up from there. <laughs> so when you hit bottom now, you think Jairus might have hit bottom to say that his, war, his, his, his girl is 
is is sick, but probably even when he was asking Jesus to come and heal her, she had died. And so word got sent to him. And Jesus said a few things. It's interesting what he said and what he did, because this is a good example of how to keep the switch of faith turned on. And so the first thing he says, do not fear, only believe. Or don't doubt, only believe. Do not be afraid, only believe. We can talk a lot more about that. But remember, Jesus was never, he didn't ask us anything we weren't able to do. So we can decide not to be afraid. And we can decide to only believe. Only believe means there's not anything else. Only. And I, I won't talk long on this, but in verse 37... He didn't allow anyone to come with him except people, I think, who leave with him. Yeah. Do you know there's sometimes when you're, uh, uh, when you're standing in faith and you just don't need those voices. You, know, you don't need people saying, oh, poor you. Yeah. Oh, it's all right, maybe God wants you not well. Or sometimes God causes us to go without so that we can appreciate the good times. Yeah. Okay, you go without, I'll have good times. Right. So he took with him, and so you need to, to get around you, those that are prepared to, to build you up in faith. Yeah. I didn't want to talk too long on this. It's just an example. And then he said, it's interesting, because he said that they were all weeping and wailing, and he said, she's not dead, she only sleeps. Sometimes when we're believing for things which are not apparent yet, we're going to talk differently because remember Romans 4 says he calls into being things that don't exist or he speaks things as though they already exist you might say well that's all right he was God he was God but he was acting as a man all right and so he took control of his words of course and then he spoke and then he acted so we've talked about all that but it was just to show you just a, a real Life recorded example of how Jesus kept his faith active and encouraged Jairus to keep his faith active even when he didn't see the result. All right, Hebrews 6 12 says, and Pastor Cole last week referred to it. He says, It says, Don't be a sluggard, don't be a sloth, don't be dull. It says, But be imitators of those who received great promises through faith and patience. patience. So that tells me that, that there's promises of God that apply to our life and we receive them, but there's often a time where patience needs to be applied. Now, that word patience is often translated endurance. So this is Ephesians 6, this is, um, this is uh, Hebrews 6, 12, I believe. That patience actually is most modern translations say endurance. The implication being is when you pray and believe for something, then that is you stand unchanged in that stance or that position. So the, the circumstances are not to move you. It's not a matter of just putting up. Patience in this sense is not just putting up with whatever comes. Say, oh, I'm patient. I've got patience. I just steamroller rolls over. I got patience. No. It actually means to stand unchanged in the face of circumstances. So Hebrews says that those who achieved great things by faith achieved it through faith 
and they added endurance. There was a time they had to stand. The implication being that if they didn't apply patience, they wouldn't get the promise. And you might think, well, if it's God's will, it's going to happen anyway. But that's not the case. Because those people had the promise, but they had to apply faith and patience to receive it. Faith and endurance. Now, so, uh, we'll, we'll turn to, if you've got, you've got your Bibles with you, turn to Ephesians chapter 6, and I think I've got one scripture up there at one stage. Ephesians chapter 6, and this is a very famous verse which we're aware of. Ephesians chapter 6 talks about the um, talks about putting on the armor of God and there's a lot that can be said about that and we won't get into that today or even next week but there's uh, I'll read from you I'll read um, read let's read from verse 10 Ephesians 6 and verse 10 and we'll just keep that one up there it says finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might so what we can say put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, taking up the full armor of God, so that you will be able to resist or stand firm in the evil day, or that can be translated in the day of testing, or the day of trial, or the day of affliction, or the day of something comes against you. It says... Put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to resist in the evil day. And it says, having done everything required to stand firm, then stand firm. And we think sometimes that we've got to go out and battle this demon, battle that, fight that. And... But this is a picture of someone who has been equipped already with things they believe about salvation and things they believe about the breastplate of righteousness and things they believe about the shield of faith which is able to quench most of the devil's fiery darts. How many of them? All of them. And the sword of the spirit, the only offensive thing there which is uh, being speaking the word of God into a situation. But the point of the matter is, he's taken territory. It's not the picture of someone who's taking territory off the devil. It's a picture of someone who's defending territory that has already been won. And so when we stand in faith, we're only standing on promises that God has already won for us. We don't need to twist his arm or convince him. He's done it. He's done it in the atonement. He's promised it. He's provided for it. So this is a picture of someone standing on promises that are already given and already won. All right? But the interesting thing is, having prepared yourself with these things of faith. And, and that's why leading up to this, before we started to teach on faith, we went through a whole bunch of things on grace and, and righteousness and the Word of God because they're all things we need to build our faith on. But having got those things, there comes time when you just have to stand. 
How long do you stand? As long as it takes to stand. That's how long you stand. How, how long does it take to stand? Till you see what you're believing for. And he gives you strength for it. And he gives you joy for it. And you walk as though you have that victory. We're, gonna, we're getting new things ordered for there and there so they won't flap in the breeze. But... Praise God. Anyway, how long do you stand? As long as you need to stand. And what do you do to stand? You stand on the promises you already have. You stand on the faith you already have. Well, we might ask ourselves, why is it that we do, in fact, need to stand? Because surely it would be convenient. It would be convenient, wouldn't it, God, if we're believing for, if we're believing for avocados, that those trees were already 15 years old. That would be convenient. doesn't work like that. I'm sorry. All right? Okay, so there comes a time when you have to stand. So we ask ourselves, why? Why do we need to, to wait? Well, first of all, uh, we live in a natural realm, a physical realm. We are spirits. We, that's who we are eternally. We have a soul or emotions and a mind, and we live in a body, but we live and operate in the natural realm. God, most of the time, um, likes to use natural things. Uh, He's designed this world to prosper. He's designed your body to heal. He's designed the sun to give strength and power and warmth and he's designed rain to come. And most of the time, God will use the natural things. Uh, we, we, we think that God deals in instantaneous time. That's very rare. It's very rare. It's just, there are occasional and, and there are moves of the Holy Spirit. And gifts of healing, working of miracles, those sorts of things. But there is the whole, there as the Spirit wills. Most of the time, do you know, there is no promise for working of miracles. That's a gift of the Holy Spirit. There is promise that we will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. They will get better. So most of the time, God activates. What is all, he's already given and empowers it and enhances it. And that was a lovely scripture that, that Abby referred to. And, um, and didn't she do a wonderful job? And was it a wonderful testimony? Praise God. I told her just beforehand. You, you looked at, you weren't nervous enough. So I said, you've got one go at this, Abby. <laughs> I think we might invite you back. Uh, but you see, even that, he said, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so there's food in the house of the Lord. Put me to the test that I will what? I'm going to counterfeit money for you. It's going to fall off trees. You're going to... No, he said, they'll open the storehouse of heaven and he was going to bless the work of your hands. Yeah. So this, this uh, sowing and reaping, it becomes blessed. Yeah. And our healing body becomes blessed. And strengthen. So that's why sometimes there's a gap. You don't throw out your faith just because you haven't seen it straight away. You hold on to what you believed. You haven't done everything to stand. You stand. You keep the switch of faith turned on. The second reason that, that often there's a delay, and it says it in Ephesians, it says it again in 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. It says, there is a God in this world, his name's Satan. And he's opposed to God's will coming to part in, in your life. All right? And uh, he will work to do things to stop you. And, and very often, um, 
as we stand, we resist the work of the devil. We speak against him. We say he's got no hold on us. We declare it, and he has no hold on us. The trouble is when you believe that something else is going to happen and confess that something else is going to happen, you actually give Satan license to do that in your life. Do I need to say that again? Uh, The trouble is when you're believing something else other than what God has promised and you say that that's going to happen, you've given him permission. How do I know that? Because the Bible says it. It says in James, you set on fire the course of nature in your life. So there's a spiritual element where we there comes a time when we're standing that we need to kick the devil in the head. Praise the Lord. And remember that we rose with him and we seated with him and God stripped Satan of his power. It says in Colossians, he made him naught. That means zip, nada, nothing. You think, well, Satan's powerful. No, only if he can bluff you into thinking he is. It says he goes around as a roaring lion. He's pretending to be a roaring lion because it says in Colossians he was stripped. But he may be talking to others and may be working against you, but you can take authority over anything in your realm. I can't take authority in Paul's realm. I can't take authority in your realm. I can take authority in my realm. It's not about witchcraft. It's about believing God. Yeah. Yes. Right. But the, and the third thing which is interesting is um, it involves people. Yeah. <laughs> God's will normally involves people. Yeah. I'll just go back and forth because it reminds me of this story uh, talking about there's, there's a God of this world, Satan. He's the God of this world. I, I heard this story just this morning of a missionary in Africa who was traveling along a path and he actually had a, a a horse or something he was traveling with and he came to a corner and the horse seized up and wouldn't go any further all right and uh and he just felt well maybe the horse is sensing something so he he, he started to lead around the corner and there was this huge venomous snake coiled up on the path in front of him and he backs away like this and he goes he had to get there this i believe is a true story i mean Joel Osteen said it, so it must be true. <laughs> and um, and uh, the snake, poison snake coiled up and the horse wouldn't go. And what am I going to do? I've got to get to this place. And so he, 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 he scrummaged around and he found a big rock and he thought, I'll sneak up and I'll throw the rock on its head and I'll watch it die. And as he got up, so he picked up this rock and he sneaked up to this poison snake like this and he goes and he throws the rock on his head and the snake did nothing. The snake was already dead. And someone who had gone before him and already crushed the serpent's head. We have someone who's gone before us, defeated Satan, crushed his head and brought him to zip nada. And if Satan's given you a hard time, say, excuse me, Mr. Zip, Mr. Nada, Mr. Nought. 
I now have the authority. Your head's being crushed. And I'm walking, continuing, uh, as if that's true, because it is true. But the second thing is we, the third thing is that we often deal with people. And God respects people. He respects people's will. He doesn't force himself on anyone. That is not love. And so he often, it takes time, because God will often make your financial provision or those sorts of things through people. So very often once we've believed there's some arranging that needs to start happening and start doing in, in the background for these things to come to pass. All that time, what are we doing? We're standing. All that time, what are we doing? We're keeping the switch of faith turned on. Uh, years ago, uh, some years ago, many years ago actually, uh, we were in the States and this was in between first year and second year and you know most of the story. But um, uh, we, I had not wanted to stay because we had come down to virtually nothing in the bank but then I felt in my heart that God wanted us to stay so I had to, to, to find some faith from the scripture and make a statement and, and believe God and stand on it and I just got to that stage where we say okay even though there's like a hundred dollars in the bank by this stage I'm believing you for this and, and we had the promises of God and then somehow Linda managed to get pregnant and uh, she blames me. I blame this large brown couch that we bought, but don't worry about it. You won't go there, okay? The kids are gone in there. Nevertheless, she got pregnant. Now, we had friends that had babies in the States, and some of them owed forty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars from from the birth of this, and that was back then. It's just about a million dollars in Australia. You buy a house, a car, and still have enough to put your superannuation with that. And so there was, a, there was just a time there when I wanted to go home again. I was going to ring my brother. My brother's a doctor. He's rich. Fly us home. We'll pay you bills. You know. But I'd already, there was a time that I had to stand again. and we, I just got used to believing God for this much. And then I had to believe God. For, sometimes, who knows this, sometimes when you're all believed out. Yeah. All right? You know, sometimes I believe God for the house and something. And Linda goes, I want this. I want some curtains. That's going to be on your faith. You're going to have to do I'm just, I'm, I'm all stressed out believing for this, you know. Right now, believing for a mortgage. So I want to go on a holiday. That's going to be on your faith. I'll believe for, you believe for a holiday. Don't put me down. I know you're like that too. All right? Yes, I'm just all believed out, right? I was all believed out just deciding to stay. Uh, but I had to say, Lord, if you can provide for us, you can provide for us. Because I thought, well, we'll fly home have Elise, that's our youngest there, come back and we'll do second year, the year after, you know. But I really felt that God, if God can provide for us for this, then can he provide for you for that extra thing you had? Uh, yes, he could. I didn't know how we're going to get another thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars and And it's a long story and I'll shorten it because basically just in change of jobs, there was one month where we didn't have much money at all and and they did have a reduction 
they did have a health care for people who were on virtually nothing. And I had my company had closed down and I had to go and find another job. All this while I was believing God to provide for us. Believing God to provide for us, Lord, you haven't got a job. Okay. So that's not as bad as Jairus' daughter dying on the way, but it's the same milk, you understand. It's the same thing. I'm reading for finance. Okay, the company's closing down. Okay. All right. So you still believe in God. Okay. And, and then a friend of ours said, why don't you phone the insurance? You might qualify. How much do you earn? And we, we'd actually been earning you know, more than $20,000, so that was the limit, a fair bit more at that stage. But anyway, I thought, well, I'll give it a try. So I phoned them, found the health insurance number, I phoned them, the guy answered, and then we talked about it. He said, how much did you earn last year? And I, and I said, I earned this much. He said, well, that's, that's uh, you're earning you know, too much to get insurance, health insurance at all. And then he said, well, hang on, he said, is that an Australian accent? And, you know, these Okies, they love Aussies. <laughs> he said, is that an Australian accent? I said, yes. He said, did you used to work at, at Carpet Corner? That's the one that closed. I said, yes, it did. He said, I came in, you Filipinos are going to love this. So I came in with my Filipino wife, you know. I love Filipinos. I've never met a Filipino that wasn't beautiful, didn't love the Lord. Them and South Africans. Kiwis, I can take a look. <laughs> but Filipinos and South Africans, they've met one I don't like. And so I was actually polite to it, and there was still a bit of fair racism in that, at, at, at that stage. He was used to people just being rude and ignoring. He said, you are very kind to my wife. He said, now, now, how many weeks is your wife? And I said, well, she's just found out she's six weeks. So that means it's the month before. And he went back to the month before where, and he just rigged the books. Lord, forgive us. <laughs> but sometimes, sometimes God bends rules to bless you. You understand that? The point of the matter is there was a time when it looked nothing was going right and I had to stand and confess. I don't know how you're going to do this, Lord, but you're going to provide for us because your word says it. And all along, that he was working with someone yeah. to provide for us. And uh, so all, she got a private hospital, she got a private room in a private hospital, she got a private doctor, she could pick a doctor. The doctor was a Christian. He was also a Rhema graduate, he was about this tall, his hands were, they were gynecologist's hands, you're ready to, because he was used to delivering babies so quick, he had to have these big mitts of hands just to catch them as they popped out here. Out they come like this. And she had a first appointment, and the doctor says to her, well, what are we believing for? Who knows they'd like to get a doctor, a gynecologist, who walk and say, what are we believing for? And she said, well, I'm believing for a quick, healthy healthy pregnancy. And that's how it happened. She, I think she, we took her in, charging down Route 66 at 80 miles an hour. <laughs> you know, and they took her in. I think we got in about 11 o'clock. The baby was born at 2 o'clock in the morning. And, uh, and God provided. So sometimes things, things take time because people, God will speak to someone to bless you. If they, he may be working on a few people. How God does it is none of our business. Who's glad it's none of our business? Because some things are bigger than we can work out. And so all we need to do is keep the switch of faith turned on. Come up, I've got a few more minutes, but come up, guys. What do we do to keep the switch of faith turned on? We do what brought us that faith in the first place. Having done all to stand, stand. What got you faith to ask in the first place? You go back and revisit. 
And there's some things, I've got a few ideas, and you can just do a sermon on each of those, but I'll talk about them. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 17 says, Look to that which is eternal. It actually says these momentary light afflictions, these momentary afflictions, they're preferring, preparing for us eternal weight of glory beyond anything, as long as we look not at the things that are seen, the things that are unseen, but the things that are seen are transient or temporal. Who knows God can move in your situation like that? Yeah. Or it can be changing behind the scenes like that, and then all of a sudden, poof. So we're expected to not look at the circumstances. Jesus walking didn't look at the circumstances. He remained, he was aware of them, he wasn't a non, he was aware of them, but he's looking at the eternal because God's power is eternal. His promise is eternal. We have to remind ourselves, all right? That's one thing we can do. The next thing we can do, Mark eleven twenty three. take control of your mouth, please. See, you can't say anything good, zip it and say nothing. You got that? Yeah. Yeah, because uh, Mark 11.23 says that uh, if you believe, whoever says to this mountain, take it up and cast it in the sea and does not doubt in the heart, but believes that what they say is what Satan come to pass, I'll have whatsoever they say. So just take control of your mouth. It forms faith in your mind and in your heart. And it, it actually gives a license for things to happen in the spirit. Okay, This is what Jesus did. Take control of your life. The second, third thing you can do is thanksgiving. This verse, uh, do the things that brought you faith in the first place. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. So prayer, praying in the spirit, supplication, make your request made known to God with thanksgiving. It's good to be thankful. So even when you believe in something that hasn't manifest yet. Say, Father, I thank you. I thank you that I believe I receive it. I thank you for those finances. I thank you for health in my body. I thank you for my child's salvation. I thank you for deliverance at work. Give thank what give thanks for it. It's an act of faith to give that thanks, but it's also a good attitude. And who knows God likes a good attitude. Alright, and it help your faith. Now, the last thing is just meditate on God's promises. Again, the same things that you did. So Joshua 1.8 says this. You're getting good at this. It's coming. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You meditate on it day and night. And be careful to do according to the dream. For then you will make your way prosperous. There's things we can do to keep the switch of faith turned on. The point being, I'm going to finish finishing the story I started, is that believe between the time when we've claimed God's promises and prayed and asked, and the time when it's manifest is the time when we stand and we keep the switch faith turned on. Keep our faith strong. We keep our words good. Give thanks. Having done all to stand, stand. Now, so, Brother Hagen said to this lady, child's foot was out like this. He says, when I prayed for you, the healing power of God went in you. So when we pray, 
um, and believe, pray the prayer of faith, the healing, she didn't feel anything. It's got nothing to do with feeling. You know, who knows how many of us when we got saved felt nothing? Was it anyone? Is it just me? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So it's got nothing, it's spiritual. It doesn't happen. He said the healing power of God's gone in you. But he said, you need to keep your switch of faith turned on. And then he said to her, whenever you see your son's foot, thank God, say, I believe I received the healing. I believe the healing power of God has gone into my son's foot. And I believe that his feet are being healed. He left the, the meeting and, and went away. And it was a couple of years that he came back. And he came back to preach again at, at the service. And this lady came up and she said, remember me? I said, I remember you. And she had a son there. And both feet were straight, perfectly straight. And so he asked what had happened. And she said, well, it just took a few days. But every time I saw this feet, I said, thank you, Father, that your healing power is working on those feet. Now, this is a gift of healing, you understand. But, but the healing power is working on those feet. And she said it was about five days into it that I just started to notice just a little change. That needs to be like Elijah's rain shadow. You know, Elijah, when he was praying for rain, he said, just off in the distance, you know, there's a little, he said, I just noticed it. So I kept thanking him for it, kept thanking him for it. And it was over about a week that the feet turned straight. Um, That's wonderful. We can believe God. We can believe God to move in our circumstances. Is there anything that is too hard for God? Is there anything? Would someone like to? The only thing he can't do really is lie. (laughs) Is there anything? We can trust his faithfulness, can't we? We can believe his faithfulness. We can believe what he's done for us. We can stand and he's with us. Sometimes you just got to go, I, I don't know what Jairus did. If I was walking with Jesus, I think I just would have put my arm in his arm. And he said, this one's on you, Jesus. Yeah. Well, we live by faith of the Son of God. Hallelujah. Just bow your heads. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray, first of all, salvation prayer for those of us that may not have come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. This is your opportunity. I call this the prayer that lasts forever because we may pray it a few times with you, but once you've prayed it the first time, then you're saved. So everyone pray this with us. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus died for my sins. And I believe that he rose from dead for me. Thank you that you've forgiven my sins. And I receive him today as my Lord and my Savior in Jesus' name. Amen. If that's the first time you've prayed that or you've prayed it a few times but you've met it today, come and see Pastor Chloe after this. She's got some things for you. And this week, we're going to keep the switch of faith. Turn on, say it with me. I will keep the switch of faith. Turned on. Thank you, Pastor Cole.